And welcome to At Issue at the State Fair. We are broadcasting from the great Minnesota get-together. We have a great crowd, and we're excited for you to join us for this special edition of At Issue. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Hauser. The 12 days of the Minnesota State Fair is always filled with food, fun, and plenty of political headlines. On day one, a former Minnesota congressman announced he will run for the U.S. Senate in 2020. Let the battle begin. Let's have a battle about issues. Let's have a battle about ideas. Let's have a battle about life and liberty and property. That is a familiar face. That is former 2nd District Congressman Jason Lewis. He is planning to challenge Democratic Senator Tina Smith. Jason Lewis served two years in the 2nd Congressional District and lost his reelection race to Angie Craig last year. Jason Lewis joins me now here at the Minnesota State Fair. Let's have a round of applause for Mr. Jason Lewis. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Jason, you, cho you chose not to challenge Angie Craig right. for your old seat. What went into that decision? Well, I wanted to go where I could have the most impact. And I do think the Senate is the last firewall for freedom. If we don't take back the House, the Senate's the only thing standing up for the Constitution, in my view, standing up for the prosperity we've got, standing up for reasonableness, standing up, quite frankly, against the squad. And so that's sort of the last firewall, and we can't afford to lose the U.S. Senate. And that was pretty much it. Now, when you made your announcement yesterday, you did so in front of many Jason Lewis for U.S. Senate signs, but also a bigger-than-life Donald Trump sign, as we can see here. You certainly are not shying away from running uh, in lockstep with the president, and that's a calculated decision. Well, look, not since 1972 and Richard Nixon has a Republican come that close to winning Minnesota. 44,000 votes in 2016. This is a state in play. Now, it's true some of the urban areas are becoming more blue, but that's pushing greater Minnesota much deeper red. And so we've done the numbers, and Minnesota is in play, and I can tell you the president thinks so and his team thinks so. And you've talked to the Trump campaign, both you and the chairman of the Republican Party here in Minnesota, say that the Trump campaign is all in on Minnesota. They're already here. They're ready to go. Um, I think they're looking at this like they looked at Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio uh, in 2016, and this time it's going to be Minnesota. Now, one thing you may need to deal with is this tariff situation. Mm -hmm. The Chinese just announced on Friday another $75 billion worth of yep. tariffs, I believe. This has escalated into a trade war. That is going to be harmful to a lot of Minnesota farmers, a lot of Minnesota manufacturers. How do you deal with that? Well, I was out at Minnesota Farm Fest, and these folks put America first. They're patriotic farmers. But when it comes to trade, we've got a trade deal. The USMCA sitting there, both sides support it, but leadership in the House won't vote on a trade deal we could have tomorrow because they don't want to give the president a win. So if you're complaining about China, and we're all concerned about that, it needs to have a come to fruition and have an end, pass the deal we've got. Mexico and Canada want it passed. The U.S. wants it passed. We're ready to go. It's signed, but Nancy Pelosi won't take a vote on it. And final thing, you uh, say you are not concerned about the economy heading into 2020, even though there have been some indicators that maybe the economy is starting to soften a bit. You are old enough to remember 1992. And if you're not, I am. <laughs> and Bill Clinton went around the country saying it was the worst recession in 50 years. The economy is at its worst ebb in 50 years in 1992. Only after the 1992 election when President Clinton won did we find out it wasn't even close to being a recession, a real recession. And I do think the president's critics 
are trying to gin up this notion that, oh gosh, the recession's right around the corner for political expediency. We've got a great economy, and when we get this China deal done, when we make certain that prosperity is going to be here because we're going to keep the Senate, you're going to see this thing take off like nobody's business. All right, he is Jason Lewis, former 2nd District Congressman, now running for the U.S. Senate. Let's hear it for Jason Lewis as he embarks on this campaign against Tina Smith, and we will have Tina Smith on a future show. But Jason, uh, thank you for being here. And be here. sure to tell her, look, I'm bipartisan. I'm in blue today. Yeah, I will, I'll be sure to mention that yeah, to right. her. Now, Minnesota's two U.S. senators say they've told the TSA more screeners are needed at Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. We've told you this week about long lines due to construction in the main terminal, but the TSA problems existed before that, and unless more screeners are authorized, our senators say long lines could become more common and even more frustrating. Matt and Lynette Gerber and their two kids are flying back to Florida after a wedding in Minnesota. Everything went great except trying to get a flight home. First a cancellation on Monday, followed by long TSA lines on Wednesday. It's a big impact to people and families, especially with kids, when they get delayed or their flights get canceled. It's pretty unacceptable. The bottom line is that it is simply unacceptable that authorized TSA staffing at MSP has decreased while passenger traffic has increased. Senators Amy Klobuchar and Tina Smith have asked the TSA to increase staffing at MSP. The airport's commission says it's doing everything it can to help TSA lines move efficiently during construction in the main terminal. Circumstances on Monday of this week are a good example of why we need uh, more screeners. When the numbers keep going up and the help from Washington keeps going down, there's only so much more efficiency you can squeeze out of it, and the people that get screwed are the people that are waiting in line. And we've seen a lot of people standing in line. Senators Klobuchar and Smith say they'll continue to pressure the TSA to allocate more screeners at Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. Another insurance company is taking steps to make insulin more affordable. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota announced this week it will eliminate insulin co-pays for members who are fully insured by Blue Cross through their employer or who get their Blue Cross plans through Minsure. This follows moves by Medica and UCARE to cap monthly insulin costs at $25 for most patients. Governor Tim Walz has been calling on lawmakers to come up with a plan to improve affordability for insulin patients and has even said he would support a special session on this issue. Speaking of Governor Tim Walz, he joins me now here on the At Issue stage to talk about that issue and other topics. Let's hear it for Governor Tim Walz from the great state of Minnesota. Thank you. Governor, thank you, for, thank you for being here. Let's talk about that issue just uh, for a moment. It, was, it, it didn't get done at the end of the session. You've seen these insurance companies now step in and take action on their own. Does that relieve some of the pressure to have a special session and deal with this in the next month? Can it wait until February? No, it can't wait. And I want to, first of all, I, I applaud the action. It, it is a positive step in the right direction, but it doesn't do anything uh, for folks who, of course, aren't insured, aren't through one of these plans. And it doesn't address the bigger issue. It's pharmaceutical prices in general. Earlier this week, we were with Governor uh, Evers and Tammy Baldwin, Senator Smith, talking about this issue. This is universal across the country. We've seen these drug prices go up in some cases a thousand percent, even though the manufacturing cost has actually gone down. And so this issue on insulin, while those are positive first steps, it doesn't address 
the emergency need for especially those who aren't covered or those who in many cases are moving off their parents' plan. We had a 20-year-old today say, that's all fine as long as I'm on the plan, but I'm not going to be on the plan much longer. So would you still like to see a special session uh, in the next month or two to deal with this sooner rather than later? Yes, and, and, and here's a start. I would at least like to see a hearing. There were no hearings that we had on this. Uh, we need to bring folks in. We can debate. We have a plan that passed the Minnesota House. There was a bipartisan group came together. We're this close to getting this done. The issue is, is whether the taxpayers of Minnesota should pay for it or whether the manufacturers should pitch in the share to make sure that that, uh, that price availability is there. So I'm still encouraging them to come back. Now, you're going to be going on a trade mission to uh, South Korea and Japan uh, next month. And on Friday, of course, we've had the Chinese slap more tariffs on goods, uh, agricultural goods, manufactured goods made in the United States. Stock market struggling on Friday. What is the path forward as you try to go and sell Minnesota products to the rest of the world? How much is this trade war going to hurt uh, Minnesotans? Well, it's already hurting. We know that the facts show we're already about 5% more in consumers. It's disproportionately hurting uh, our agricultural sector. There'll be others that will be hurt. I don't disagree with President Trump's assessment that we needed to recalibrate some of these trade deals, the NAFTA uh, deal, for example, and, uh, and China. He's right, on, especially on uh, intellectual property rights. But there was no end game in sight. There was no way to end this. And when you get into the, the, the tit for tat on tariffs, uh, there are going to be losers in this. What we're doing here in Minnesota is our producers can produce and outproduce anybody. Our agricultural products are better than anybody else in the world. They're in high demand. What we're doing is making sure that our big trading partners like Japan and South Korea know that we're here. And more importantly, we're trying to entice them to come and build here. Japan is very, very interested in the Midwest. It has to do with our work ethic. It has to do with our work climate. Final thing, you've had a lot of problems you have to deal with at the Department of Human Services. Uh, just this week, we found out there have been $10 million in overpayments for some chemical dependency programs, $25 million we knew about earlier uh, paid to some of the Native American tribes that's going to have to be paid back to the federal government. You've got a new DHS commissioner started. She is going to have a myriad of problems right. that she has to address. Are you confident it can be handled? And has that department just gotten too big? Yes. Well, that's a question we'll ask. It's one of the reasons why I ran. Uh, Minnesota taxpayers should expect every dollar of their taxpayer dollars to be spent wisely. The Department of Human Services delivers incredibly important services. Uh, these are issues that we brought up. They've been happening for several years. I've instructed these agencies surface these issues and deal with them. I think Jody Harpstead has a stellar history of managing large organizations. If it means changing the way those things are structured to make them more accountable uh, and make them uh, more efficient, then we'll, we'll do that. And let's just 10 seconds on some bipartisanship. You're out here at the fair today with the Republican governor of Ohio. 10 seconds. What is Governor Mike DeWine doing here? He's trying to make the Ohio State Fair, good luck with this, rival the Minnesota State Fair, and he knew that if he came here, it would be the best one. Governors are trading information. Uh, governor DeWine is a Republican governor for Ohio. We share information on this. He wanted to learn about the State Fair. Well, the first thing he has to learn is take the tie off when you come to the State Fair. We just had been, you got to dress like this governor, there not it is. like that. So that's the first lesson you probably taught him. Let's hear it for uh, Governor Tim Walls. Thank you all. Stopping by. We appreciate it, Governor. Thanks, Tom. Always good to see you. Hang Thank tight you. there just for a minute. Still to come, Minnesota Congresswoman Angie Craig will join me next. 
And later, we'll have political analysis with Andrea Macros and Annette Meeks. That's all coming up on Ad Issue from the great Minnesota get-together. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to the Minnesota State Fair at issue at the State Fair. Two congresswomen, including one from Minnesota, spoke out this week after they were banned from visiting Israel. We have a responsibility to conduct oversight over our government's foreign policy and what happens with the millions of dollars we send in aid. The delegation would have seen firsthand why walls are destructive, not productive. Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib have been critical of Israel's policies toward Palestinians. In response, President Trump said any Jewish person who votes Democratic has either, quote, total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. Jewish American groups, some of them anyway this week, called the president's remarks anti-Semitic. Now, joining me on stage, Minnesota Congresswoman Angie Craig from the 2nd District. Let's hear it for the Congresswoman, taking time out of a very busy schedule to be here. Thank you uh, for being here. We're going to talk about the tariff issue in a moment with the Chinese, but let's start by talking about this issue. You know both of those women. You serve with them in Congress. Your thoughts about Israel banning them from visiting, apparently at the urging of President Trump. Well, it's great to be here, Tom. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I spoke out right away. Uh, Israel is uh, a great uh, friend to America, and I am very supportive of Israel. And the problem with what uh, the government of Israel did is it's the only democracy in the Middle East. And so uh, I don't think any member of Congress should be banned from going to Israel. It's an opportunity. Uh, for members of Congress to learn about the unique security risk that uh, Israel faces every single day, and I think it would be productive uh, for all members of Congress to be able to go. They are our most important ally in the Middle East, and of course we are their most important ally. So if representatives, regardless of their viewpoint, are not allowed to visit, you think that's detrimental? Well, I think it's detrimental. And, and to be fair, I don't agree with the two members of Congress uh, on all of the issues related to Israel. And in fact, I'm married to a Jewish woman, and Israel is important to me and our family. Uh, but at the same time, if Israel is truly going to be a democracy, uh, it's going to have to allow members of Congress uh, to come uh, and learn. And I think that that would have been the right approach. Now, on Friday, a lot of news uh, coming out of the uh, Chinese trade war. The Chinese slapped billions in new tariffs on products made in the U.S. Then the president responded by several tweets urging U.S. companies to find other markets other than China. This appears to be a full-on trade war now. Well, I've said from the start that no one wins in a trade war. Uh, and at the same token, China has been an offender on intellectual property, the government, for a number of years. I worked uh, in an international business for over 20 years. Uh, I thought the more strategic direction should have been uh, work with our allies, put pressure on China through those trade mechanisms. Unfortunately, uh, I think we are in a full-on trade war. And the farmers in the 2nd Congressional District in particular, uh, they are truly struggling, and I think this is only going to set us back further. I saw you at FarmFest a couple of weeks ago, and the agriculture uh, secretary was there, and you tried to make that point. 
but the Trump administration line is they are playing hardball with the Chinese. Otherwise, nothing is ever going to change. Well, if you understand Chinese culture, you understand that uh, the government is used to playing in 100-year uh, increments, and we're used to playing in two-year election cycles. So uh, I, this go-it-alone, reckless way of attacking trade, I don't think was the right strategy. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think we do need to look at other, other markets that we should go after. And I've encouraged the administration to open talks with Japan for additional trade, uh, talks with Vietnam, and even the European Union on ag products. Final issue, for the first time in your, this will be your third uh, election cycle in the second district, you will have a different opponent uh, than Jason Lewis. Uh, your thoughts about his decision to not run against you? Well, uh, my, I, I'm a little disappointed, to be honest with you. Uh, Jason and I have been at it for four years now, but I tell you this, uh, at, at least I uh, most likely will get to vote against him again. So there you go. <laughs> As he runs for the U.S. Senate, we still don't know who might run against you, but that'll be a race we'll be keeping an eye on. Let's uh, have a round of applause for Congresswoman Angie Craig, kind enough to join us out here on the at-issue stage at the State Fair. Still to come, Andrea Makros and Annette Meeks will join me for political analysis. That is next from the Minnesota State Fair. All right, welcome back to the Minnesota State Fair. As you heard earlier, former Republican Congressman Jason Lewis announced he'll run for the U.S. Senate. That has the state Republican Party chair very excited for the 2020 election year. It is our quote of the week. With Congressman Lewis getting into the Senate race, it totally changes the stakes and the game in Minnesota. You know, you couldn't have a more powerful top of the ticket when you think President Trump, Jason Lewis, and then pick the member of Congress and down it goes. And so we are very, very optimistic. This is probably the strongest ticket we will have seen in the state in two, three decades. All right, that was Jennifer Carnahan, the chairwoman of the Minnesota Republican Party. And joining me now for political analysis to talk about that and other issues, Annette Meeks from the Freedom Foundation. She once worked for Newt Gingrich as well in Congress. And Andrea Makros, who has worked for just about everybody, including <laughs> the Obama administration and also for Governor Dayton. Thank you both uh, for being here. Uh, let's talk about that bold statement, maybe the, the best Republican ticket in two or three decades. you believe that? I think it's, it's very exciting because we see the president's campaign putting resources into Minnesota, something that hasn't happened for two or three decades. So I think when you look at it in its, in its whole, it is exciting. And somebody like Jason Lewis, who has statewide name ID already, is a great candidate to lead the ticket. And Andrea, the interesting thing is the Republicans are giddy about it, but Democrats are also giddy about running against Donald Trump and Jason Lewis. Absolutely. I don't think there are a lot of swing voters who are clamoring for more partisanship in our elections and in Congress. Uh, so I think I like Tina Smith's chances. You know, she's really put her head down, done the work in Washington, was reelected with double digits just a year ago. Uh, so I think she's looking really strong going into 2020. Now, it's very interesting as we look at some video from uh, the politics going on out here at the State Fair. You go over to the Minnesota Republican Party booth, as you can see on the screen, Donald Trump signs everywhere, Donald Trump merchandise everywhere. Annette, the Trump campaign says they are all in on trying to win Minnesota, a state that has not voted Republican in the presidential race since 1972. I think they're doing the math, and they look at how close they came in, in 20. 
uh, 18 and realized, or 2016, and they realized we had a real chance here and we blew it. Let's go all in in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, all those other states and put Minnesota in the Republican side. And then you look at the Democratic booth, uh, Andrea, as we're seeing, there is a bean poll going on as of, I know a couple of days ago it was Warren and, uh, and Biden and Klobuchar who were all vying for the top spot. Uh, how does that race look right now nationally? Well, I think there's a lot of energy amongst Democrats. I think, you know, while the president may have come close to winning in 2016, Democrats won with double digits in 2018. I think there's a lot of momentum going into 2020, and you see that with a number of candidates, but I think Democrats are also hungry to unite uh, behind one candidate at the end of that process. Now, just in our final minute we have in this segment, uh, on Friday, a trade war. It was already a trade skirmish, no mm -hmm. question about it. Now it appears to be a full-on trade war. Your thoughts about how the president is handling this? Well, I think it's very tricky. And the problem with the trade war is you don't get those markets back when you lose them to South America. And that is one of the big problems we have. Our farmers have had a really tough five, six years. We don't need to make it into a seventh or eighth year. And so they need to start to work things out. And I talked to some farmers at FarmFest a couple weeks ago who said that there are markets in Russia that went away years ago in another trade war and they've never come back. Do you fear that might happen with the Chinese? Well, you know, I think this is an area where Annette and I find a lot of agreement. Um, they're the number one exporter of our soybean product is to China. Those are markets that don't come back. They will go to Brazil and other places in South America and it will do real harm to our farm economy and to the 18 Fortune 500 companies that, you know, house and employ a lot of Minnesotans. All right, that's something people are going to hear a lot about this weekend and in the coming weeks as they try to uh, work out. There are negotiations still scheduled for September between the U.S. and Chinese. We'll see what happens. Andrea and Annette, thanks for being here. Up next, what would you do if you looked almost exactly like a presidential candidate? The woman who caused some confusion during Elizabeth Warren's visit to the Twin Cities is coming up next. Democratic presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren met her match literally this week. Her doppelganger, Stephanie Oyen, showed up at last week's rally at McAllister College in St. Paul. Now, check out this photo. Can you tell the two of them apart? I mean, that really is remarkable. Oyen is on the left. Warren is on the right, in case you weren't sure. Even Warren said she was blown away by her resemblance to Oyen. But Oyen says she only sees a slight resemblance. Now, I've had this same problem many times with George Clooney and I. But this is a, this is, okay, that, that was not humor, people. I'm telling you, this happens. Well, we like to see what you have to say about at issue. Send us your feedback and let us know what issues you'd like to see on the show. Just write to at issue at kstp.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for my name, Tom Hauser, or at issue. And you can also find me on Twitter almost all the time at T Hauser KSTP. That's all the time we have for now from the fair. Thanks for coming out, everyone. We'll see you again next week for another edition of At Issue.